Hello and welcome to another Brighton Jones Real Estate Advisors podcast and insights with industry experts. Today, I've got the privilege of talking with Kyle Williams. Uh, Kyle works with uh, IPX uh, 1031 and handles all your 1031 exchange needs as it relates to uh, uh, getting the 1031 done correctly and accurately. And so I want to just go through and ask a bunch of questions regarding uh, what's going on with 1031s, especially now during COVID-19. But first, Kyle, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you're doing these days? Yeah, Derek, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. Uh, I cover the state of Washington for IPX 1031. We're the exchange division for Fidelity National Financial. So if you've worked locally with like Fidelity Title, Chicago Title, Tycor Title, and there's a bunch of others as well, um, we're actually their exchange division. I've been in finance for over 15 years. Started out doing some REITs and stuff and eventually uh, got into 1031s and uh, I've been a real estate investor myself, have bought and sold real estate and uh, yeah, really, uh, really enjoy the 1031 space and, and talking to investors, brokers, CPAs, attorneys, uh, everyone involved in real estate. Well, I imagine you've done so many of them, so it's kind of like second nature for you, but for many of us who uh, have only done a couple or haven't done any at all. It's kind of a, a daunting thought of saying, how do I do a 1031? So uh, maybe start with there. Like, you know, what is a 1031 exchange and kind of what are the steps of going through and and, uh, and, and working with uh, you in doing a, a 1031 exchange? Yeah, great, great question, Derek. So 1031 exchanges are, it, it's real estate tax law at the end of the day. So it confuses and worries, it really scares a lot of people. Uh, what I would say about 1031s is that they're relatively easy and straightforward. A 1031 exchange is simply the sale of an investment property and the purchase of another one. But the key part of it is that you're using all the equity, not just the after-tax equity to reinvest. You're essentially sheltering the taxes for the time being by doing a 1031 exchange. And our job as a qualified intermediary is really just to hold funds. So if someone says, Kyle, what do you do? And I say 1031s, inevitably they'll say, well, what is that? I'm like, I'm like, well, it's a lot like escrow in the sense that we hold funds for real estate transactions. So the 1031 itself, say you were selling a, uh, a duplex in Ballard, an investment property. And again, 1031s are only for properties held for business or investment purposes, like commercial, rentals, stuff like that. But let's say that you've, uh, you've owned a duplex in Ballard forever, and it's worth a million dollars. It's basically all equity at this point. You know, collective tax rates, once you factor in uh, unrecognized gain on depreciation, capital gains, now we have the net investment income tax. Once you factor in all these federal taxes, I mean, clients could have a 25% tax rate. That's not uncommon. So to give you an idea, say you sell that duplex for a million dollars. You know, you may pay 250000 out the door in taxes. That's gone, and if you don't do an exchange, you're only reinvesting 750000 So with the 1031 exchange, you get to reinvest that full million. And you can imagine, if, if you were buying a new property at a 75% LTV, if you don't do an exchange, you're only buying $3 million in new property because you had 750000 to reinvest. But if you actually got to reinvest that full million, you get to buy $4 million at the same LTV just because you did a 1031 exchange. And so we tell people, yeah, 1031 exchanges are relatively straightforward. Really, you just need to do a couple of things in the exchange. 
buy for equal or greater value, and reinvest your proceeds. Our job is to hold funds, and you'll work with your broker, find new investment property, and not pay federal taxes. It's amazing. There's literally nothing else in the Internal Revenue Code that allows you to do that over the course of your entire life and never pay taxes. Well, and, and, and I think one of the things that comes out of this, too, is, you know, when you think about depreciation, the tax benefits, I mean, there's a lot about it. There's a lot of tax benefits, so now you're almost reinvesting with IRS money or money that you yeah. would have to pay in taxes. So your return, if you're looking at something and you buy something that has a 5% return, you might be even getting a better return because if you were to sell that asset and pay all the taxes, recapture taxes, everything else, you're going to end up getting less than a 5% return um, because of – the taxes you paid out and you got less to, to reinvest. That totally makes sense. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a good way. I like the phrase you use. You're using the IRS's money. I'm going to start using that for all my presentations, Derek. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, it's, it's deferred. It's going to get paid at some point in time, but then we know it, it all steps up in basis when, uh, when you pass. So from a long-term strategy, mm-hmm. it, you know, not, not making this a tax uh, class or a estate planning class, but if you were to own real estate and you do – keep 1031, at some point in time, it's going to go past to your heirs. Your heirs are going to step up in basis and start all over. So, um, Absolutely. I, so, and let me just preface this by saying, uh, as you mentioned, you know, we are not CPA, so you'll obviously want to seek out your own tax advisor for tax guidance. We can't issue that. Um, but as absolutely. you said, Derek, yeah, you can pass stuff on to your heirs tax-free. And right now, Federal estate tax laws are super favorable. It's 11.2 million per spouse. So a lot of people, we came up with a phrase a few years ago to make sure people never forget this concept of passing on real estate to their heirs tax-free. We call it swap until you drop because inevitably you can exchange forever. And a lot of your clients, Derek, I know are real estate investors and they're always going to hold real estate because it's what's made them money. They understand it. It's tangible. And they're never going to pay taxes. They're going to pass it on to their heirs tax-free. And there's nothing else that allows you to do that in the Internal Revenue Code because your clients have been doing it for their entire lives. Yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely correct. And and giving up that that asset class is very difficult. Some do, but the majority prefer to have something around the real estate asset class because they're comfortable and they know that that created a large portion, if not the majority, of their personal net worth. So, Absolutely. Um, and with and with that, on the 1031, we're talking about the exchange side is, you know, right now during this pandemic that we're in with COVID-19, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of uncertainties, and one of them is, okay, can I still do a 1031 now? I mean, is there is there is there replacement vehicles out there that I can go into? Are people is there still transactions happening? Um, maybe shed a little uh, light on that, or give us some, uh, I guess, type of deals that you're seeing sure. now or working on now. Yeah, so uh, there's still a lot of real estate investors in the market right now. Uh, we've seen people buy you know, commercial, buy the usual asset classes. Uh, one asset class that a lot of investors don't know about are Delaware Statutory Trusts. And Delaware Statutory Trusts are really, um, it's a passive investment in, you know, many times a portfolio of real estate. You might have an Amazon warehouse where you're a 1% owner and Amazon is the tenant, or a portfolio of Walgreens or CVSs uh, around Austin, Texas, for example. And you're a passive investor in that portfolio property. So right now, DSTs can make a lot of sense if, if you're worried about finding replacement property 
if there's not going to be anything out there, uh, DSTs make a great backup option as well. Even if you wanted to find C simple property in the area and had your eye on something and couldn't find something, there's still investment vehicles where you can go 100% passive and still own real estate right now. Yeah, which which I'm a big fan of the DS model, especially if you want to kind of get away from the day-to-day management um, and just mm-hmm. kind of look at something that's going to be institutional grade because you're getting a larger asset than what you would traditionally trade into, uh, and you and you get the buying power as well as the borrowing power of a large institution, um, for sure. Um, the one thing I didn't ask, and I should go back and ask this, is kind of what does it typically cost to do a 1031 exchange? You know, what are the fees typically charged? Uh, by the organization to act as that escrow and that agent in the middle. Yeah, so most exchanges, uh, your delayed forward, normal 1031 exchange, whatever you want to call it, is going to be less than $1,000 in most cases. If a client's doing what we would call like an improvement or build-to-suit exchange where we're taking title and cutting out draws to contractors as they build and stuff, those could definitely be more. But for most exchanges, they're less than $1,000 to do. So very, very cost-effective vehicle to defer, uh, in most cases, with much more in taxes. And, and also, uh, to add to that, I think one of the things I found is that if you are thinking of doing a 1031, make sure you get that language in your purchase and sale agreement because you want to make sure you're protected. So let your brokers know who you're working with, your agent know that you're intending to do a 1031, and then there's certain documents and certain uh, clauses they can put in your purchase and sale agreement. Absolutely. And one thing to remember for investors, too, if they've never done an exchange, they need to set up the exchange before they close on their sale. So ideally, once they get under contract, we should be involved at that point. Uh, We can talk to the client's CPA, answer any questions they have, but it definitely has to be involved before they close. Because I'll get a call once a week from a prospective client, and they'll say, Kyle, I'd like to set up an exchange. I've owned this property forever. I'm going to pay a lot in taxes, so I definitely need to exchange. I'll say, great, where's escrow set up? They'll say, oh, it closed last week. Unfortunately, we can't do an exchange at that point. So uh, if you've never done an exchange and don't know the basic rules and timeframes, the most important thing to remember is make sure it gets set up before you close. Yeah, great point, great point. The last uh, question I've got here is the extension program, right? They came out, IRS came out with the 1031 extension rules, Um during this time of COVID-19. Can you elaborate a little bit on that and kind of walk through what that means? Yeah, so the IRS verbiage wasn't exactly clear. Uh, We're waiting for further guidance, but right now the consensus from us and NAR and and the trade organizations is that if your 45th day identification period or 180th day exchange period ends between April 1st and July 15th, you'll actually have until July 15th to either identify or secondly, complete your exchange. Or you still have the 45 or 180 days, whichever is longer. So if your 45th day identification period, meaning the time you have to identify a new property to purchase, falls on May 2nd, you would actually have until July 15th to identify a new property, so longer than the 45 days. If, we're, if it were to fall on July 3rd, you would still have the 45 days and it would go past the July 15th. But for exchanges right now, um, a lot of them have closed, uh, you know, in the last couple few weeks and there's, uh, there's some uncertainty going on in the market right now. So it's nice that they're going to have further, further than 45 days to find new property to purchase. So is it, is it 45 days past 
July 15th or is it I'm a little fuzzy on that. So if I had a property right yep. now and let's say it was my identification period ends June 1st. So June 1st yep. was my 45 day identification period. Yep. That would be pushed out to July 15th or is it pushed out farther? No, so it would be it would be July 15th and I'm trying to do the numbers in my head. So June 1st it's a short month. So for the 45th day I think would be July 15th. But let's say that let's say that you close today on your sale, um, April 25th or what have you, uh, instead of your 45th day being sometime in June, like say June 10th, um, you would actually have until July 15th to okay. identify a new property to purchase. So you have until July 15th if you close after April 1st to identify a new property. Okay. And then, and your 180 day rule still stays in effect. So it's 180 days from the day you close on the property or within 180 days from July 15th. Great question. So your 180 days is still the day that you close on your sale. So if you okay. were to close today, you'd have until, you know, approximately October 25th or so to find new property to purchase. Okay. Okay. Totally makes sense. Right. Or, sorry, October 25th to close not identified to close on new property. Correct. Um, yeah, no, this is great. I mean, it's, it's, right now, I still see a lot of activity. I still see a lot of in, individuals looking at uh, acquisition. It's funny how many calls I have with uh, potential investors saying, yeah, I feel like this is 08 again. I'm waiting for those big deals to happen. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you know, in certain pockets, you might see that. But I think when you're trying to buy something in, you know, a major metropolitan marketplace that has always been hot, it's going to be really difficult to find those types of uh, of deals um, like in the 08 period. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, I think investors will carry this market too if things really slow down because in a in a recessionary environment, people buying their primary residences slows down. But there's a lot of investors that you know, Derek, a lot of investors I know that have been sitting on the sidelines the last year or two with cash yeah. waiting to find deals in a down market. So, yeah, yeah. investors are going to be chomping at the bit to, to find deals right now. Well, especially if you if you think you're going into an inflationary market, which is if you talk to you know a few of the old timers uh, that have been around doing this, they kind of feel in the next 36, 48 months they're going to be in that. And if interest rates are where they are today, and you can acquire and not get the return you're looking for right now, they feel with the inflation coming in, interest rate delta that they're going to have between now and three or four years out, um, you know they're sitting on that cash. They're waiting for that opportunity to to pick up those uh, those trophy or additional opportunities, I should say. Uh, Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because an inflationary market, and we don't know when we'll get inflation, but at some point it'll happen because it's cyclical. But in an inflationary market, you want to own tangible assets, and there's not many tangible assets better than real estate. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, Kyle, I mean, it's always great to talk with you. Uh, a lot of valuable information in this podcast. I truly appreciate it. And then before we, uh, you know, kind of adjourn here, uh, see if you have any last thoughts. And then also let the audience know how they can reach out to you if they have questions or are looking to uh, do a 1031 exchange. Yeah, absolutely. I'm 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 really happy you're you're doing this podcast, Derek. There's there's not enough of this education. I feel like in uh, in the real estate community, and I, I thought about doing this, but I listened to a couple of your podcasts you've already done, like, should I sell my real estate investment? And you've got a lot of valuable information. I think uh, 
investors really need to pay attention right now to things like this because education, learning about the market, talking to professionals is what's going to get them through this downturn. Um, so, yeah, thanks for bringing me on, Derek. Uh, if clients want to get a hold of me or people just have questions, uh, they can always feel free to give me a call on my cell phone directly. Uh, my number is 425-582-3487. Uh, or they can shoot me an email. Uh, our email is fairly straightforward. Uh, it's just kyle.williams at fnf.com. is in Fidelity National Financial. So kyle.williams at fnf.com. Uh, so yeah, if clients have questions, uh, they're more than happy to, uh, to call me, shoot me an email, whatever works best for them. Perfect. Well, thanks again, Kyle. And I'd like to thank the listeners for listening in on another Brighton Jones Real Estate Advisors, uh, expert insight with our guest today, Kyle Williams. Um, anybody has any questions for me, feel free to uh, reach out and, or, and or give me a call based on the information you get off the podcast. So thanks again, and everybody have a great day.